we are so present. We have arrived and we are on the scene here on the Crowcast. And uh, I just want to ask Seth uh, really quickly, where have you been? Where have you been? You've been gone for almost, no, a, a full month. Now, you haven't done anything. Uh, should you speak to that for a second? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, so here's the thing. Uh, I was, um, I, I had a, a little niece that was born and uh, it made me think a lot about my life. And then I got really, you know, uh, unsure about what I wanted to talk about on here. And then I just, it became a spiral, really. It became a spiral of me uh, and really just not trusting my own voice for a little while. Um, you know, when you go through changes, you have to reassess who you are and, um, and what you do. And, you know, uh, this is how I talk now for the rest of my life. Do you, do you speak like a, a southerner from East Tennessee? Yes, uh, I, I reckon that for, from now on on this podcast, I must speak this way because, you know, uh, just my roots are getting deeper and uh, I'm really learning what's important in life and, uh, you know, feel like that this is just who I am now. You know, I'm going to push back here, Seth. Uh, as, you know, a, a journalist, I just don't feel like... Um, that's true. Well, um, that's your opinion. Well, it, I mean, it is my opinion, and I'm also part of you. So, uh, I'm gonna have to, like I said, push back. Do you have anything, you know, I need some evidence that this is true. Well, look around. I'm here in Tennessee. I'm doing my thing. I'm a waiter. And, uh, you know, I got family here and ties and no, no, I understand you have family and ties here, but like, what do you want as a person, you know, as an artist? Like, what are you, what are you pursuing? Well, I definitely want my family. I definitely want my ties. I got, you know, ties are important. I agree. I agree. I agree that ties are important. I agree that uh, you should uh, have community and connections. But like, is that that doesn't mean you have to sacrifice everything else, does it? Well. I don't know, you know, that's really the question, and uh, I don't have an answer for that. Well, neither do I, but we're, stri we're trying to figure it out. What, you know what, uh, this, is, this wasn't ever meant to be a, an interview with you, so uh, I'm going to turn the attention back to the audience and uh, see what they have to say, um, or just at least check in with them, because, you know, I, I'm... I just I have I have feelings about what you're saying, sir. So let's 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 look to them. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Crowcast. Uh, I apologize. I had no idea that the networks were going to have us do that interview here um, to start out. And uh, <laughs> you know, um, I don't have control of everything they have to say. So um, that was, as you know, uh, a settled version of Seth Crow. And, uh, I mean, he's a fine fellow, but I don't think, I don't think, uh, that he, I don't think that's all of Seth, of who Seth is, you know? I mean, I don't think that Seth would make this podcast now, would he? Or did he? That's what's going to blow your mind. Or did he? So glad to be back. Uh, a lot of what he did say was true. Um, I was feeling self-conscious and you know when the self-conscious crocodile comes for you and and you can't say what you feel and think and 
do what you want to do, you know, it, it smothers you and eats you whole. But we did it. We got back up. We're on the horse. The crocodile cannot get you when you're on the horse. Here we are. And uh, I've had an interesting month, so maybe I have more to talk about this time. Um, I had a really weird day yesterday. A very eats. Eats. Eats is not the word I was looking for. East. East meets West day yesterday. Um, started the morning in a kimono and ended the night in a belt buckle. That's right. There was the Cherry Blossom Festival here in Nashville, which is pretty cool. Um, it's basically a celebration of all things Japanese in the heart of downtown Nashville. You can get street food. You can walk around, buy kimonos, sumo wrestle, which I don't know how I feel about, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, you can uh, watch drums. Set, uh, you can see dancing. It was a it was a really good time. Um, it was very chilly yesterday, so if you're wearing just a kimono, it's probably a problem. But uh, the interesting thing about this whole Japanese festival was it was a separate celebration of Japanese culture. But honestly, there weren't a lot of Japanese people there. There were a few, um, and so that's interesting. Like, I was very self-conscious that I would be culturally appropriating in my kimono and I had my hair up in like a Japanese style bun and uh, I didn't feel self-conscious because I was definitely not the only one uh, wearing clothes or that were inspired by Japanese culture. So it, it raises a question to me, like, what is cultural appropriation? If it's a celebration of culture, is that cultural appropriation? But what if the culture is actually bigger than the population of a set area? Like the Japanese cult, like the, the Japanese drummers, there were no Japanese drummers. They were white people doing Japanese drumming, which was really cool. And so it's like, okay, there's something about this culture that has philosophy and beauty and art that everyone can kind of glean. Uh, cling on to, you know, um, which I think is, I think it's a good thing, but it, it is a little jarring to know that the culture comes from a certain race of people and then not see that race represented. So it's like, we want to make sure that it's properly represented. So I, I wonder who the, the committee is on that cherry blossom festival. And, and I wonder what they would have to say, you know, um, Sometimes I wish I had guests on here. You know, I'm not saying, it's my podcast. I'm not saying I'm never going to have a guest on here. But uh, right now, you know, we don't. So we, we can't ask the Cherry Blossom Festival people. I guess we could. Um, but I'm not, I'm not going to split my personality again like that after having settled Seth here. Yeah, I wouldn't do that either. I mean, one character is plenty for one show. You know, I don't even want to be here. I know you don't. I know you don't. You're the one that's holding me back, Settled Seth. You're holding me back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, settled in my ways. I know what's truly important in life, and that's, that's, uh, you know, settling. I'm giving Seth the side eye, if you can't tell. So, um, yeah, and then in the evening, so later that evening, we had to get home. Uh, Sarah's father, who is an 80-year-old man and a very smart 80-year-old man, uh, had a reunion at his for his eighth grade class here in Nashville. 
Palmer School. And we went to said reunion and, you know, uh, it was fascinating. It was fascinating being around all of these elderly folk and watching them slip back into this, you know, adolescent mindset and it, it really, it was cool. It was like, it was like sneaking ahead and reading a, a, from a chapter later in life, you know, um, of our book, our life book. And it's funny, like, it's funny how people change, they make choices and go different directions in their lives. And, but they're still the, they're still kind of the same people, you know, they, they kind of like latched on to these ideas of themselves and what they want to be. And I think that's what I've been thinking about most lately since the uh, birth of my niece, the birth of my niece, uh, is like, you know, what is, what is life, man? What is it? Uh, my niece came into consciousness a month ago and it's just like, I'm, you know, holding her and like feeding her and things. Like I think about like, she's like not going to remember most of this, but like I'm being downloaded into her subconscious right now. And she's not, she's not fully conscious. She's just like bubbling up as a human. And so that got me thinking about whether or not, like, when are you the most conscious, like actually conscious in life? You know, like she's becoming a, a fully downloaded human being in the next few months. But like, do you ever really fully download? Or is there a moment where you're fully like, wouldn't that be like depressing to find out that you you were the most conscious you are at this point in space and time? And then after that, you're just just like ephemeries of that consciousness. You know, I don't know. But and it also is making me think about like, OK, what is this thing we're experiencing? And uh, it's like it's like you suddenly you're just here. And then all of these beings are just like telling you things and making noises at you. And then you slowly decode it. And then you find out that you're also one of these beings and that you have expectations and responsibilities and that you are supposed to do certain things to be one of these beings. But you didn't really ask to be one of these beings. You just kind of are one of these beings. And then, oh, yeah, there's like this overlaying uh, like, like belief systems by these beings that you can kind of get on board with some of the stuff, but not all the stuff. And, and how are you supposed to pick through all the different things? It's just, it's kind of a, kind of a wild experience. Cause really you're just like this consciousness that has been downloaded into a meat suit and then expected to just get it. But do you get it? I mean, I don't know if I get it. I also, I went to the Van Gogh exhibit recently and uh, I'm, I'm very affected by fine art. Um, that's the most pretentious thing I've ever said, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I, I, I have like a, so my favorite class in, in high school was art history. And for some reason I just like, my brain just like attached to these artists easily. I memorized them easily and I wanted to know everything about them. And uh, part of that was my teacher, Carol Ray, who was an amazing teacher, uh, especially like an amazing art teacher for kids like us, just challenged us 
you know, he was kind of a tough love guy, but very grounded and realistic. And he got you to think differently about yourself and about what you wanted out of life. And he was one of these people that people that didn't think you should settle, you know, um, in a tough love kind of way. And I think uh, that was a major part of it. And art, you know, art gets you to think differently. It gives you a somebody else's perspective. I mean, it's been my life work is to to see as many perspectives as possible and then relate mine. And um, and so this Van Gogh exhibit was interesting. If you haven't been still in Nashville, uh, I think it's worth the money for sure. I mean, just a technological feat. It's really cool. Uh, it's like immersive VR almost. Uh, you're in this room, this giant room, and this kind of video is happening all around you and you get to see a ton of Van Gogh's work in different iterations and like in chronology through his life and that was really really neat because first of all I didn't know that Van Gogh you know when you think of Van Gogh you think of Starry Night you think of Sunflowers you think of that particular style but he definitely had like a dark period at the beginning of his life and um it's interesting because it's like he was at that point in his life I think he was trying to express his, his feelings about the world through his art right but later in his life I think he was trying to escape the world in, from his art like his or his art was his escape from the world so that's why it looked different it looked surreal because it was like his safe place to be Whereas his original depictions of the world were very dark and sad, which makes a lot of sense for Van Gogh. Um, I went and saw a Picasso exhibit last year, and uh, that was fascinating because, you know, Picasso was very famous in his life as an artist. And uh, there's the last painting he had was of, uh, it was called The a Young Artist. And he, Picasso painted this when he was in his 80s. So it was really fascinating to see what Picasso's depiction of a young artist was. And, and this picture is very, very modest. Um, and there's something sorrowful about it. It's like hopeful and sorrowful at the same time, which uh, I think is interesting. Um, it's, look, you know, it's an old man looking back on his own life in a way and seeing the naivety in pursuing art, but also seeing the sorrow in it, and that and that it's like, it's beautifully sad, the pr pursuit of art. And so I, I've been thinking about that all year, and on, honestly, that painting has been a block for me, uh, because it's like, okay, really, is this the life I want? Is this, is that, do I want my life to be beautifully sad? And, uh, and then I look at this Van Gogh, and I, I'm still kind of picking apart you know, how I feel about it. Um, clearly Van Gogh had a ripple effect with his art. I mean, the guy didn't get famous until after he died. I mean, he was friends with all these famous artists, but his, his success definitely did not come while he was alive. And, uh, and I'm not, you know, I'm just trying to like see from Van Gogh's perspective. So it makes me wonder, you know, you don't really know, you don't really know the effect you're having as you're living, you know? And maybe Van Gogh would not have created the things he created if he had had success, you know? Um, I definitely, it, it's amazing that 
this guy did this thing that affects so many people emotionally and he has no idea that he's still doing it and that there's whole like new media that is created like like I've never seen anything like this before and we're still celebrating his work hundreds of years later so I mean he is the base face of Western art in, in a way and he was deeply influenced by the East which is really interesting um, yeah um, I don't know like, like I said I'm still picking apart how I feel about this Van Gogh I think I, I did I don't know I don't know I'm still like I said I'm processing I'm processing how I feel about it um, but it's interesting after after going to that Van Gogh exhibit um, having this East meets West day I guess it was like a um, kind of interesting timing and you know then getting this sneak peek at the at the old back end of this thing and how people behave and and then I'm just I, there is a thread here of what what I've been thinking about I guess and this whole like what to do with your life and how to express yourself in life and whether or not we actually grow up and I think it's like, um, it's a wrestling match. Yeah, I reckon it is a wrestling match, ain't it? Yeah, settling set. It is a wrestling match. Oh man, I thought I had something profound to say today. And maybe it's in there. Maybe there's like uh, a kernel. Like I said, it's like a, it's like I'm hacking. Yeah, I'm still hack. I'm still hacking this existence. I'm still decoding what I'm doing here, and uh, and who knows? I, I think what's really was one of the most interesting things is these people have become what they're going to be yesterday. These older folk, and they were looking back, and it felt very justified in what they had become. And like, even if it wasn't justified, they were able to justify it. You know, there was a gentleman who, and, and also they're stuck in their idea of what they've become. Um, there was a gentleman yesterday, really cool guy, um, and he, his whole life had been dictated about, uh, by the fact that he, you know, uh, dodged the draft. And it's, it's interesting because, I mean, he was in a lot of ways right. Like, he wasn't going to go fight in this war that he didn't believe in, and it was, it, he felt like it was wrong to go. And uh, he chose to to flee, and he lived in several countries, and then he came back to America ten years later and, and got arrested, and then, you know, his life went from there, and his whole life was dictated by this one choice. And in some regard, it was a wrong choice, but it was right to him. And then, I don't know, what was interesting was, I really, I really dug what the guy was talking about when we were on one-on-one, -on -one, and then... He got up and he kind of gave this speech and he kind of isolated everybody um, in a weird way. He, he kind of like was like, when I was a kid, they asked about the Brown versus the Board of Education. They asked us in class whether or not, you know, we believe that black people should be integrated into schools. And I was the only one in class that raised my hand. 
and he kind of like looked at the audience and just kind of evoked that tone and I was like whoa dude like <laughs> like I'm not saying that you're not like you're definitely right like that should be and that we're grateful that that was but like why did you why did you have to like do that right now so it felt very like I've been right my whole life and I've always been different than you and I don't think that's I don't think that's the position like it's, it's weird I don't think that's definitely the position we should take. I don't think I don't think that's right. Um, I think we should try to find common ground and and try to find a way to relate to one another because I think that's I think it's important to to stand up for what you believe in, but don't lose your humanity in doing so. And uh, I think that's why I, uh, I got settled in Seth here is because I mean he's part of my humanity. You know, really, you think that? You think I'm human? I mean, I think you're probably more human than I am, honestly. And I, so I need to keep you around. But, I mean, I'll, how about this? I'll keep you in check, you keep me in check, and we'll try to keep making these podcasts. You can't keep me, you know, I can't, I can't not do this more frequently, okay? Alright, I mean, as long as you keep me here, I'll, tr I'll try to, you know, motivate you more, alright? But we gotta go to work, so you should get off there. Fine. All right. I will, uh, I will get off here. Um, thanks for listening to me rant. Um, uh, I, I'm going to be back sooner and, uh, y'all better still be out there because the void, I mean, honestly, the void's getting bigger, right, Seth? That's right, Seth. See you guys soon. Adios.